If you're a Star Trek fan, you should listen to Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate Star Trek podcast for sci-fi fans with a life. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of Star Trek, check out my new sci-fi TV series, Pandora, debuting on The CW and around the world on July 9th, starring Priscilla Quintana and Oliver Dench, and you can find out more by downloading the Unboxing Pandora podcast, available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from E.T. 2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Jason Tobias, and to my left is my lovely co-pilot, The Rebel. Yes, hello guys, this is Bevan. Welcome to our Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. <laughs> it never gets old. I, I'm glad it never gets old for you. It's so good. <laughs> it is so good. Um, but you know what's even better? We are excited to have an amazing independent filmmaker on the show today, a special effects makeup artist, Tim Martin, he has a short film, a Star Wars fan film called A Birth, excuse me, Birth of a Monster. Monster. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're excited. We're pumped. We're pumped. We are fans not only of fan filmmakers, we've made fan content ourselves. Bevan has made music videos. I've made fan films. You have a fantastic fan film. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into the film. Tell us a little bit about your backstory, your history, all that. Um, well... I have been working in the special makeup effects business for almost 20 years. Actually, this year is 20 years when I came out here. Thank yeah, you very man. much. Yeah, Thank congrats. You. What are you going to do on your anniversary? Are you going to take yourself out? Um, I'm going to find the next job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> work, Perfect work, entertainment work. answer. Yeah. Work, work, work. Actually, uh, in about a week, I'm going to Hawaii for the first time. It's the first vacation I've ever taken. <gasps> what? Congratulations. Um, thank you, which yeah. is great, which yeah. means I've been very busy for the last 20 years. Yes. And that's pretty cool. 20 years equals one vacation. Yeah, Kids, study exactly. up on that. <laughs> right. Especially in this town, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Awesome, man. Great. Fantastic. So uh, we had a guest on previously that uh, said that he goes to Monster Palooza. Do you also participate in Monster Palooza? Uh, I it? do, actually. I'm very proud to say that I was one of the... F uh, I've been there since the beginning. The first year that Elliot, the director, festival director, put on Monster Palooza, um, I had a table. Um, they're extremely hard to get now, actually. Okay. Um and I, I gave up my table like three or four years ago, and I just got another one for Son of Monster Palooza. The show got so big that they split up in two. So, so for the viewers at home that don't know what Monster Palooza is, what is Monster Palooza? Monster Palooza is obviously a take on uh, Lollapalooza, and Lollapalooza back in the 90s was a big music festival. Oh. Monster Palooza is a big monster festival, and it's uh, it was originally in Burbank. Um, now it has moved to Pasadena. Um, Son of Monster Palooza, which is like the part two of the year, is back in Burbank. But it's basically, um, it's the who's who and, and what's cool about monsters. It's all universal monsters. It's artists, people that I know. It's kind of like a high school reunion for me. Mm. Every time I walk in there, it's like I know everybody and mm -hmm. it's like, uh, we all make monsters and we, you know, that's basically why we came out into this business in the first place. And this is sort of a celebration of that. It's like the, the tiny version of 
a Star Wars celebration okay. for monsters. For monsters. Just monsters. Excellent. And it's all practical, correct? Or is it a mixture of different things? Um, it's basically all practical. Okay. It's all, you know, sculptural, old-fashioned, you know, make it with your hands. Not a lot of CG stuff there. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. No, I think um, that's awesome. I, I said this some time ago to somebody. The reason I love practical makeup effects is when was the last time you bought a Halloween costume for your kid that was a CG character? Never. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always, you know, Frankenstein or the Wolfman or something that you could physically touch. Mm -hmm. um, so this is basically that. It's, it's, it's the tangibility of what we do. Have you ever run into the Muppet guys? Jim Henson uh, guys? guys? Yeah. You know, I've never worked there. Um, I've had a handful of people that have, or had, uh, I know a handful of people that have over the years. But, um, and I don't know a lot about it, so I don't want to, you know, talk smack. They don't seem like they were doing a lot for a number of years. Right. Up until very recently where I got super excited and everybody wanted to work there because they were redoing the Dark, uh, Dark Crystal. Yes. Mm. It's mm. the prequel series they're doing, I believe, on Netflix. Yes. But... Uh, super stoked about that. You know, that's something I really wanted to be a part of and then couldn't get in there because everybody, you everybody know, in their mom was banging was like, the door down. Yeah, exactly. Well, Henson Studios, is it still functioning over on La Brea? I don't know if that's more of just like a... Um, well, well, they're owned by... Di it's one of those that are owned by Disney now, too. Oh, the Henson is under the Disney Mupp umbrella. Yeah, Muppets mm. are under the Disney. Wow. Pretty soon I'm just going to... I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get a letter from Disney saying that they just... They own you now. They they have... They've got me. They've got me. They don't know... I didn't they know that they had the Muppets. I'm not sure if the office on La Brea is more like a, the, the just the offices and more like the figurehead. Mm -hmm. um, I believe there's a shop in near the Burbank Airport, I believe, where they actually still build stuff. Never oh. been there, but... That's what I hear. Now, I know a couple of Muppet people, and they always love talking about practical effects, like going back to the oh, Dark yeah. Crystal, Labyrinth, mm -hmm. um, Little Shop of Horrors even, mm -hmm. was also the Henson Company making that giant plant mm -hmm. and animatronics and Audrey stuff. Yeah. Too. Audrey 2. Audrey yeah. 2. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love yeah. me some Audrey 2. Yeah, I've worked with a couple of um, uh, practical effects guys on a few projects. Uh, Gary Tonicliffe, I worked with yeah. him. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked with um, uh, Jerry Constantine. Okay. Dukes out of North Hollywood. So, I mean, I know that community is a very tight-knit community. Mm -hmm. You know, people people work with one another. So, it's uh, I'm sure you guys have been growing together and seeing the trends over the years. How do you feel, Tim? Because we're going to eventually get into your film here. You've got a blend in your film of visual and practical, you know? So, right. how do you feel about what we've seen, obviously, with the prequels going heavy, heavy, heavy CGI VFX? And then we had a resurgence again of, like, with The Force Awakens, J.J. going back into more a mixture of practical right. and visual effects. What do you feel doing this, being in this industry for 20 years, 20 plus years, seeing the trends kind of sway back and forth? Like, what are your thoughts? I think, like everything, there's a, there's a trend that will happen. And over time, uh, truth will out. And it's basically, uh, I think more people just liked practical effects. They just liked seeing things that were actually there. Now, you know, actors on set like to actually work with things. Mm-hmm. Because um, acting is reacting, right? Um, and you can't react to tennis balls and green screens all the time. So mm -hmm. everything starts to look sort of cardboard and flat when it goes that route. Mm -hmm. um, for me, CG versus um, practical effects—it's just like you have a toolbox. You have a hammer. You have a screwdriver. One does one thing. One does another. You don't really want to hammer anything with a screwdriver. So when you're talking about CG effects, use it for the right thing. 
Use it for things you can't do practically. Mm-hmm. If it's a guy in a suit, why would you make it a CG character? You know? Right. Um, now, it, CG has gotten a lot better, um, but I think st- the popularity of um, uh, practical effects has kind of swung back in our favor. Mm-hmm. I really, I do like CG. I like it a lot. I don't do that, but when it's done well, I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I will say, like you were saying about uh, The Force Awakens, I, I recently had the opportunity to work on the new uh, Mandalorian TV show. Very cool. Which That's is, awesome. Yeah, which is coming up in Disney's streaming service, which I'm very excited about. And we did all kinds of practical stuff at uh, Le- Legacy Effects. Um, so I was very proud to, you know, I did a lot of painting, did a lot of stuff on weathering, you know, weathering, and yeah. weathering down the fun, stuff. Yeah, the fun stuff to make it look Star Wars and used aged. and torn. Yeah. Like that was the thing about Star Wars that really stuck out to me when I was a kid and I saw it. I was too young to see the movies come out in the theaters, but when I started actually watch them on VHS, yes, I was around for VHS. Um, Me too. Hey. <laughs> some people might be listening. And go, what are VHS? What, what, are, what are these is things? That what are a these tape? bricks you put in a is machine? That a but uh, I remembered the thing that stuck out to me was that this world felt lived in. Yeah, it felt, for gritty. lack of a better term, dirty and gritty, yeah. and you know, it felt like. But but it, yet it still had a a tech feel to it. Of mm-hmm. it, it it had a technological um, atmosphere that gave it an otherworldly vibe, but it was dirty and gritty and grimy. It felt like a workshop or a junkyard or a scrapyard, and that, that just always appealed to me. I don't know what yeah, it was Yeah, I think that was, that. that was really the game changer in film. Um, before that, you had uh, like 2001, mm-hmm. very clean mm-hmm. movies from the 50s, sci-fi movies. Everything was very clean. And yeah. you're right, as soon as you see some of the costumes, it looked... They had blast marks and they were dirty. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you really fe- you, you're so absorbed in it. Because it feels like, oh, these guys have been around. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what the original trilogy was missing a little bit, was that lived-in world. And clearly we were at a different time. You know, this yeah. is 18 to 25 years, even almost 30 years prior to A New Hope. So, you know, the, the Republic was still functioning at a very high level. This is pre-Clone Wars if you're looking at episode one. So, obviously, it might look a little bit better. This is like the calm before the storm in a right. lot of ways. But it, it just lost a lot of that feel. You know, mm-hmm. it looked too clean. It looked too clean to me. I wanted to feel a little bit, a little bit of tarnish, a little bit of dirt, a little bit of something. You know, when we're in the Coruscant City Capitol and, you know, we're going through the Senate and then maybe when we go to the Jedi Temple, yeah, it, you can have these, these places of worship or these places of congregation, but they just felt too clean, too pristine. I mean, you know? I felt like I was watching a video game with a lot of the prequels because I could just tell that everything for the, the majority of the things I was looking at was not even there with the actors. Yeah. Mm. I think that's just that's a conscious decision in filmmaking that at the time might have been a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think over time, maybe he looks back, and goes, yeah, I, I shouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. Um, and I think the newer directors now, um, you know, like Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau and those guys are heading up uh, The Mandalorian. They're looking back at their childhood because mm-hmm. right. they're around my age and they're mm-hmm. thinking the same thing. What do they like about the original trilogy? It's that lived in feel. And so I saw a lot of that being represented in this new stuff, which is great. Excellent. Did you get to meet John Favreau? I did. Oh, I'm I did. I did meet John. Awesome. Um, a buddy of mine, um, I'll drop his name, Mike Menzel over at uh, <laughs> Legacy FX. Good friend of mine for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I finally got to work on on set for a couple of days, uh, I'd been working on my short film for some time, and it was nearly completed. Um, but he was like, "Dude, I gotta introduce you to John and to Dave, and tell them about your short." That's awesome. So, That's, great. Awesome. That's great. How'd it go? How'd the interaction go? Uh, they were awesome. Dave Filoni is just a fan. Yeah, he's just yeah. a super cool dude. Um, and as as well as you know, uh, John Favreau, it was fun to talk to him because we were on set. Um, 
in a cantina setting. Okay. That's great. And uh, Mike introduced me and, and said, hey, this is my buddy Tim. He's done the short film. And I shook his hand. He stood up. And um, he, he looked at me and said, so what do you think? You know, basically looking around the set. I'm like, I didn't say anything. My eyes were just bugged out. He's like, it's a big fan film, huh? I go, yeah, a lot bigger than mine. Right. So, I mean, that's the world he's coming from. Job? They're just, they're kids in a giant toy box. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. that's really. With Disney budget money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 But, God, that's so cool though, yeah. man. So how did, how did it feel to see something on that scale? You know? Ah, surreal. I mean, yeah. that's the best word you can use. I'm like standing like, I'm on a Star Wars set. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But the flip side of that, as a filmmaker, you know, when you watch in movies, you see the grandiose scale of everything. Right. And as an actor or a filmmaker, you know that the behind the scenes things always look different. So we're looking at the cantina mm-hmm. and you turn around and it's just a million people doing right. their jobs. Uh-huh. And it's on a stage and you're like, real, unreal. Yeah. Right. Real, yeah. unreal. Mm-hmm. You know, and the experience is just unreal. So I can't I can't wait to actually see it because they were doing a lot of really cool uh, very new high-tech things mm-hmm. in filming. Awesome. I don't even think I could talk about it. I don't want to, just in case I'm not allowed. Yeah. You're good. Right, that's You're fine. Good. But, yeah. I understand we have it's, a lot of those guests who are like, yeah, this is really cool. Can't talk about yeah. it. Yeah, but I will say, and I'm very, very critical of my love of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There are some films I absolutely love in the series and there's some that I don't. Um, this, and I'm, I'm not getting paid to promote this show. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. But I'm very excited because... I know the characters that are in it, you know, the storyline, it's it's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Well, just the stuff we've seen, uh, the teaser, yep. the screenshots, it, it looks, looks awesome. It looks great. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. The tone, uh, it has a very Western kind of vibe to it, you know, yeah. and that alone has this has this resonance that See, just, I'm, just I'm not sure if, if, if I've known that, being on the inside, or if that's something they've told people, but it is very much a Western type story. Mm. Well, that harkens back to what George Lucas wanted a new hope to be a Western in space yeah. because mm-hmm. that was the, up until the sci-fi era, that was Westerns were the ones, they were king in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. There were so many Westerns, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, that just made so much money. 60 years. 60 years the of Western Westerns. ruled Hollywood for 60 years. Yeah. And so George Lucas was like, well, how do I take this trend and just transcend it and it was Star Wars Western in space so I like that the Mandalorian is harking back to Star Wars was really originally supposed to be a Western in space Mm -hmm. shifting gears Tim let's go to you Uh, talk a little bit about your film man it's a it's a fantastic project everybody if you go to YouTube you can watch it on YouTube Uh, Mm -hmm. is that where you primarily promote it do you push it anywhere else Uh, no we just put it on YouTube okay cool tell us about the process like to go from the beginning and just so the beginning is um, long time ago yeah too far far away long yeah exactly (laughs) long long time ago like I said I've been in a special makeup business for almost 20 years and in that time I realized, and it's such a Hollywood thing to say, what I really wanted to do <laughs> was to make movies with these characters in it. Of course. Um, so I believe in 2008, um, I directed an ultra-low-budget independent horror film. Um, great learning experience for me. Um, I don't recommend anyone watch it. I'm not very proud of it. But I will say that I was able to sell it to Netflix. I sold it to a handful of foreign territories. Congrats. Um, so... On the very, very, you know, low low scale that it was, um, I learned a lot, and it did something um, inside. It's like I can do this, mm-hmm. you know. And typical Hollywood story. Um, I'd gone around with a script or two, 
rejection, rejection, rejection. Nothing to take personally. That's what happens in this town. Mm-hmm. But through that, I, I kept telling myself, well, if I want to be a filmmaker, I can just make a film. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to wait for someone's money or permission. Just do it. You know, just put your money together and do something. And at the time, I, uh, I, have, I have a son who's almost eight, but at the time he was about five. So I said, well, if I'm going to do something fun, instead of just taking a, a million pictures of my kid, I'll put my kid in something. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that was your son? Yes, that is my son. Aww. Spoiler alert. That is my son. <laughs> and Aww. the great part about that was, I'm like, let's just run out to the desert, you know, make something fun. Yeah. Um, and actually, I broke my cardinal rule, which was always don't do someone else's IP. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a film or an independent film, make it your own idea so that you own the property and you could possibly do something with it. Mm-hmm. Never do anything because I have so many friends that want to do Batman, you know, fan films and fan film, fan film. I'm like, I, no, I would do a Batman fan don't film. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're just going to waste your money. Right. Well, I totally broke that rule. And it's because I'm like, what would be fun with my kid? Oh, let's just do something Star Wars. You know, I can make costumes. I can do effects. Um, and then I, I was on a music video. And I met a producer, younger producer, he's younger than me, um, by the name of Alec Iskander. And he's got a small um, production company called Escape Velocity Content. Okay. So I met this guy on set and we just hit it off. You know, I've sleeve of tattoos. He's got all Star Wars tattoos. I'm like, this is my kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, you know, we hit it off. We became friends and uh, we decided to go to lunch one day and, and just talk about what we were up to and what we were working on. And literally as we were getting up to leave and I said, oh, and by the way, I, there's this Star Wars short that I want to do with my kid. Talk to you later. And he's like, whoa, 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 what? I'm like, yeah, I want to do the Star Wars short with my son. And I pitched him the idea and he was blown away. He's like, that is awesome. He's like, you're not going to just go out to the desert with a camera. I'm going to produce this for you. That's awesome. So I'm like, okay, cool. So to his credit, you know, Alec um, uh, executive produced this. So over a I'm not sure how long it took me to make all these costumes. I put my own personal money into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he matched that with financing. Very nice. So a lot of the hard costs when it comes to, you know, just, you know, we, a lot of us went out to Death Valley mm. and we spent the night out there. That costs something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So he, he took care of a lot of that stuff, which was great. Um, and as time went along, it, the, the project just snowballed into something much bigger than I had originally planned. Um, so after two and a half years, you know, my son, who was so high when we started, is mm-hmm. now almost, you know, eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just so much bigger. And I realized that was my goal. I look at the film and I go, that's when he was five. Mm-hmm. So I achieved what I wanted to was to put my kid in something and, and basically immortalize him at that age was the entire point of that project. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I did not expect that kind of story. I thought it was like, yeah, man, I was a, a fan of the monster in Return of the Jedi. I was like, oh, I wanted to figure out where you came from. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was the, you know, that's the interesting part is when I pitched that idea, I wanted to do some because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. That's why we're here. But I didn't want to do what I think everyone was doing was attacking um, main characters. Yeah. Everyone's doing like a Darth Vader thing or, or you know, a Jedi Sith, that's, mm-hmm. I'm like, no lightsabers. I didn't want to do lightsabers. I wanted to do something that affected me as a kid. And I was old enough to see Empire. Oh, man, I must have been like five. 
and we went to something called the Drive-In Theater. Oh, I remember Drive-In. I remember those. <laughs> yeah, I remember Drive-In. I think drive-ins. they still exist somewhere in the Midwest. I think in museums. They exist in museums. Don't we have one close to us? Like, it's in Ontario. I think it's Empire like an hour away. Some, yeah, I haven't been to one in forever. An hour away, everybody. That means it's like five miles away in Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do remember seeing Empire Strikes Back. Um, at the drive-in. At the drive-in. How was that? At a drive-in, that experience? I'm five. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, you, you at that age, you remember bits and pieces. And mm-hmm. I totally remember Darth Vader, you know, and I remember how scary it was to see Han Solo frozen in this thing. I'm like, what mm-hmm. the hell is going on in this movie? It's It was dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, it's still my favorite Star Wars film. Oh, know, yeah. Right? I and think that's, most people's. Yeah, I think that's probably most people's opinion. Um, and then I did see Return of the Jedi in the theater. Um, and I was eight by that time. And, uh, you know, you, you definitely can remember a lot more. And... In that, I felt something, you know, very powerful and emotional when this giant monster attacks Luke Skywalker. And naturally, he's trying to to save his own life, and he ends up killing this giant monster. And when the door crashes on his head, and he makes this whimper, and this big, to me, I'm eight, this big, strong guy comes out and just starts crying. Yeah. That affected me. I was Mm -hmm. like, that's really sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is really sad. It's like killing someone's dog yeah but it's it's over like that in the film and you move on and so you know i pitched the idea it's like why don't we explore that character where this character came from where that creature came from um and you know you always kind of like you know you get some uh, kind of like uh backfire from fans who've read other books or other comics and and kind of counter what you've made up mm-hmm. but this is a fan film you know right. i was just having right. fun with it i'm like this is my idea of where this thing came from right you know trying to say sort of true to to star wars lore but i haven't read all the books i haven't read all the comics mm-hmm. to me um i, I do feel like I'm a, I'm a huge star wars fan of the movies right you know so um yeah that's that's where the the, the idea came from and then we just kind of went with it you know? excellent excellent yeah i was blown away tim um to everybody out there please check it out it is a fantastic film, a great journey, and it's a familiar character, but one that you just get a glimpse of. You do not spend yeah. a lot of time with it. So hats off to you, Tim, for doing that. You know, so often we do see in the fan film community, you do see people that want to do stuff with the lightsaber battles. You know, so you see a lot of stuff with very popular characters like Vader, like you Darth know, Maul, oh, that Darth famous Maul. Darth Maul. Yeah, you know, you mm-hmm. see fan these film. recreated scenes. Or, or you know, they're, they're spinning their take on it, but um, it took a character that you had a glimpse of you had an emotional connection to a moment and then you expanded on that and i think the story about your son is is just fantastic oh yeah that, that's, that's great that's that, a great really, little easter egg story yeah that, i had no idea whose kid yeah, that was so like, cool man so cool because you're creating a lineage in a way of developing this 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 project with your son being at at the forefront of it that for the rest of his life you know he has yeah. this star wars film that his father made for him that's fantastic that's hats off to cool you kudos is your is your son a star wars fan um, it's funny. He likes, he's not. He, he <laughs> likes cars. He likes cars. I'm not a car guy. He okay. likes cars. Okay. And that's the beauty about having a kid. It's like, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, yeah. it's like my, my, my place is filled with monsters and toys and, mm. and things I loved as a kid. I loved He-Man as a kid and Star Wars. He-Man was awesome. And he loves his own thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we had a, a screening in LA and over 200 people showed up, um, for a fan film. I'm like, that was crazy. And then yeah. we actually got to screen it up at the, um, uh, 1030, oh, what's the name of it? 3210, which is the original George Lucas Theater up in San cool. Francisco. Wow. Cool. Uh, in San Rafael. So we per, we also screened it up there and a ton of people showed up. 
And my kid is just like, eh, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's just a no big day deal. in the life of me. He, he started when he was five. He has no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had a blast when we went to Death Valley. And if you have not been to Death Valley, I, I recommend it. It's crazy cool. Yeah. Super cool. And that, that also, um, you know, I got to give a shout out to my crew and all these guys who of put so much work into this for free. Mm. They're all Star Wars fans. Yeah. And we missed a couple things. Like you do when you're making a project, you 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 know, you put it all together and you play it back and you're like, oh man, we totally missed like this one shot. Mm-hmm. And not so much of a spoiler, but um maybe you will see it now. But my son, who was five and a half when we first started shooting, a year later we had to go back to Death Valley and basically do a pickup shot of a hero reveal where he takes his helmet off. Mm. And he's a year older. And kids change pretty fast. They ch- that's exactly yeah. what yeah. I was worried about. Yeah. Guys, he's a kid and he's just sprouting. It, mm-hmm. You know, how much different he's going to look. But I think we, we concealed it pretty well. But um, again, to my crew, I, I was like, man, we're missing this shot. But we shot it in, that, in Death Valley, which is almost five hours away. Mm-hmm. What do we do? And my DP, um, my director of photography, Nick Mahar, was like, let's just pack up and go. Mm-hmm. You sure? You guys want to just go back out to Death Valley again? Just, yeah, let's go. So... A, a whole crew drove out there again for a single day just to do a couple pickup shots. Yeah. And I, I was thinking to myself, how awesome is that? You know, That's awesome. That I don't have Disney money. Mm-hmm. I can't just throw the money around. Hey, let's all make, you know, let's go make an expensive thing. Basically, it was like, hey, you guys want to go back out to Death Valley again for free? Yeah. <laughs> and, and have a little vacation and pick up some shots. So they're like, yeah, all about it. Um, so, you know, some of the comments that we've gotten on YouTube, first of all, they've been 90% awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. 98%, 99% fantastic, um, which is really nice. Yeah. It's to everybody out there, you know, if you've, if you've made anything, if you've ever thought about making something, if you are in the process of making something, the amount of time and effort, energy, blood, sweat, tears, et cetera, that goes into it there's a lot of hands that touch it. There are a lot of people that are a part of the process. And what Tim is bringing up is is part of a filmmaker's uh, uh, journey. You, you really have to understand that when you see something, no matter what it is, there were a lot of people that put their time and their energy into it. So it's when, when this happens, when the people want to go back out on their own sweat equity and just, you know, be in the trenches with you. It's, it's a great feeling that yeah, people it's, are. It's are, really the definition of passion project. Yeah. Because, you know, I've worked on so many things that you're getting paid for that you don't really care about. Yeah, you don't care about mm-hmm. it. Like whatever, paycheck. it's a paycheck. It's yeah. cool. But when you get a certain group of people together, like with Star Wars, that's why Star Wars is so special. You can find these people pretty mm-hmm. regularly. Yeah. And go, hey, man, I'm doing this thing that we can't make money off of, mm-hmm. that we're actually going to spend our money on, <laughs> and a lot of it. Right. <laughs> just because we want to do something cool in this universe that we've grown up in and love so much. Yeah. Show me hands. So they're everywhere. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that leads to a really good question that I was even asking my co-pilot over there last night of like, what is the benefit of doing a fan film where you cannot make money off of it? Because we've all done it here on the yeah. table. It's like what what besides it being rewarding of like, oh, man, cool. I made something Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like what where has that led you? Have you seen anything grow out of it? Like more relationships, a job opportunity, exposure? Well, like with anything, you know, being a um, an independent filmmaker, you're always trying to pitch something where you can actually make a film. Right. And no one's going to hand you even, you know, people who who are listening to this who don't know an ultra low budget movie 
in Hollywood is still about five million dollars. Yes. Five mil, guys. Yeah. I don't know if you hear that. Five, five mil. million dollars. Six zero. Yeah. That's, that's what they consider ultra low budget. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and then you look at the big Star Wars films that are two hundred million dollars. Yeah. And, and you realize we know where the money goes. It costs a lot of money to pay people who live in Los Angeles to make these things. To sit in traffic, even. Yeah. Just a, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're just super traffic expensive. Um, and if filmmaking were easy or cheap, everyone would be doing everyone it. Everyone would do it. The, the benefit about doing a Star Wars thing is that it's that's such a motivator. Mm-hmm. It is such a motivator because everybody loves it so much. Right. And if you find, and that was, the, I think, the strength of our project wasn't lightsabers. It wasn't flashy. This, you know, it wasn't showcasing. Right. Because I, I, I did all the, the suits. I built all the suits. Um a buddy of mine by the name of uh, uh, Jeff Birch sculpted the um, Gamorrean guard heads. Mm-hmm. But from the neck down, I built those. Um, Big Boss, which is the the woman, I built her costume. By the way, spot on, by the way, man. Fantastic job on the costume. Oh, thank you. I thought that was maybe like a, a prop replica that you purchased because when I saw her in the hut, mm-hmm. I was going, that's a fantastic we, yeah, we, costume. I mean, we built the set <laughs> at my buddy Dan. Uh, so my buddy Dan Bowman, who plays OTK the android, mm-hmm. Um, he's got a big garage. Uh, he's a car builder. He's a, he actually sculpts cars oh, wow. for GM. So I met him a few years ago on a project, and again, huge Star Wars fan. I'm like, would you like to? Because he's he's thin. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you think you could fit in a three PO suit? He's like, yeah, totally. I'm like, you want to go jump? You know, jump in one and go out to Death Valley and almost die? <laughs> he's like, yeah, sounds Put great. In it. Sounds great, so, man. You know, uh, that's what we did, and I and I built OTK's head uh, very quickly. I knew I had sort of a feel that I wanted, sort of a wise, older, you know. But my point of all this is my project was not to showcase the creatures or the characters that I built. It was really the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And the punchline at the end, you know, the creature that we see. I love the punchline. Took a ton of work. Yeah. Mm. But it's on screen very shortly. Mm -hmm. And as a filmmaker and as a special makeup effects artist, it's really hard not to really want people to see what you've made. Right. Like, look what I made, look what I made. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. It has to be for the story purpose. Yes. So th- all these things are in there very shortly. And I'm like, man, if you guys just knew how much work I put into that. Like Big Boss, as she's sitting in her chair, there's that weird hookah mm-hmm. thing with the frog in it. I mean, that took forever to make. Mm-hmm. And that was just one prop. Yeah. Right. You know, so I'd been working on this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about sweat equity. It's like oh, you yeah. gotta love something yeah. to put that much work into it. You know. Well, I mean, the the attention to detail too. It's it's evident in your film. The attention to detail is there. You know, you you've got like you just mentioned uh, the the hookah that has the frogs in it. That's very reminiscent of what we see in Jabba's lair. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's got him off to the side. I mean, I was waiting for Salacious Crumb to pop up. Uh-huh. Like you know, maybe she <laughs> had her own crumb somewhere. But it's it's there. It's evident. But that's that's the attention to detail, the love. And, you know, you as a filmmaker, you're seeing these little pieces that will just make your film stick out from from the crowd, if mm-hmm. you will. Because, again, there's a lot of noise out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of noise. And especially not noise in a bad way, but noise as in there's just a lot of content. There's a lot of fan films out yeah. there. I mean, there's some that are even feature length. Yeah. People yeah. have even made up to, you know, an hour and a half, 90 minute fan films. Um, so it is, it's, it's a huge endeavor. It's a huge undertaking. Talk about some of the, like, what would you say were maybe two or three of your biggest challenges, uh, in the film or maybe just the biggest challenge? Um, what was the biggest challenge? Like anything that you, you shoot, it's, it's a, it's a schedule ordeal. Mm -hmm. Um, and since we're, you know, my entire crew, we're doing it for free. 
they're all working professionals. Right. You have to go around their schedule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, you know, shooting commercials. Uh, the actors were doing this. They were doing that. Everyone's doing something. So we would shoot for a weekend. Um, and part of it was in the Calico Ghost Mines out in Barstow, which is the cave setting. It was a super cool location. So we would drive, you know, two and a half hours out there, shoot for a day, come back to L.A., you know, um, stay the night and then go back out there the next day. I'm so curious th- real quick, Tim, Calico Ghost Town, uh, did you guys have to permit out there? Did you guys just have a hookup? No. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Got it. Moving uh, on. Guerrilla filmmaking at its best. I right? love it. I love go it. Go out there and steal shots I wherever you can. Yeah. But they were actually really cool out there because they had all these cave settings. And, and this is a place where people actually can go ride their motorcycles and, and uh, the ATVs. And they actually do. They, there's shooting out there. People can shoot mm-hmm. guns because it's way out in the desert. Mm-hmm. So when we got to the caves, there's junk everywhere. Mm. Trash and stuff. You know, kids, I guess, going out there to, to, to party. drink and party. party. Yeah in the caves yeah, man. so what we did was we cleaned all those caves up we brought tra- trash bags and gloves and cleaned all this we had bags of crap you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when the park services guys would drive by and they're like hey what are you up to I'm like well we're shooting a movie and usually you would think that the story would be you got a permit you know right. so it, it wasn't like that at all we're like hey you know we just cleaned all these caves up you know we have all this trash and like all right have a good day. And they just took off. Awesome. Like really no problem at all. Um, I don't recommend doing that, you know, cause you, you can get in trouble. You You're can get kicked out of a place and you really screw up your, your production. Mm. But, um, going back, we would work for a weekend and then it would take two months before we can get another weekend where everyone could get together. And mm-hmm. that happened for a year. So it was a weekend Two months later, it was a weekend. Two months later, it was a weekend. Wow. So I think total we had about 12 shooting days spread out over like a year and a half. Wow. And what okay. worried me was Xander getting older. Right. Mm-hmm. Continuity. Um, yeah, it was continuity. Mm-hmm. And I had to constantly, you know, thankfully I'm a makeup artist. I was make, I made sure his hair looked the same. Mm-hmm. Right. You mm-hmm. know, he's getting half an inch taller every time <laughs> yeah. we shoot. Right. You know, but uh, again, I think we did a great job concealing that. Like. Mm-hmm. All, a lot of comments online were like, you know, people like to nitpick and really dig of course, in. Of course, of course. No one's ever said anything about this kid looks different, you know. Mm. So I didn't know he was. No. Actually, I was yeah. worried when I saw the one year later. I was like, wow, can they make him look like he's a year older and one year later? Yeah, that, but that's the great thing about filmmaking yeah. is I put that suggestion in your head one year later, and that's what you're thinking. You're thinking story. Mm-hmm. We shot that during the time we were shooting the beginning stuff. Mm. Yeah. You know, it was totally out of uh, out of order. Yeah. Um, so one year later, I think he was actually younger there than the reveal taking the helmet off shot. Yeah. So it just bounces all over the place. Oh yeah, Yeah. of course. So a year and a half weekends, probably 12 total shooting days. Mm -hmm. That's your production schedule. Yep. Hats off to you, man. Hats off because it's, it's a grind keeping the momentum rolling, you know, keeping people. Not so hard. Really? And it's because of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. We had so much fun. I mean, everybody was just, I mean, people would gather like. Like, what are you guys making? Yeah. Is that Star Wars? Because you had, you know, OTK out there in the yeah. desert. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and, you know, some of the locations we shot in Death Valley uh, were actually some of the pickup shots I think they did in the original A New Hope. Mm-hmm. So it looks just like when uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 land in the desert. Yeah. Some of those, like, aerials yeah. that yeah. you have of them going through that little, like, kind of crevice area, yeah. they're great. Yeah. I mean, they're great. Did you do any drone stuff in there? Or did, was uh, that all high-held camera? The one thing that actually looks like stock footage is the aerial shot of the drones as the title card comes up. Mm-hmm. 
And no, my DP had a drone. We shot that. I didn't want to cool. use anything that we did not actually shoot ourselves. That's awesome. Um, but it's so nice. I'm like, man, it kind of sticks out. It looks like, you know, stock footage. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're really paying attention, way off in the distance, our visual effects guy put the little hut mm. in there. And you got to look. I'm like, I didn't know he even did that. You know, <laughs> that was great. So, you know, we also had a, a team full of people that were doing visual effects. Um, they built a, uh, a, a skiff. And a lot of people mistake it for Jabba's uh, skiff, I think it's called the Katana. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually not a copy of that. This is supposed to be um, a completely different spaceship. Mm-hmm. I want it to look like um, Jabba's sail barge and the little skiff that they ride mm-hmm. kind of married. You know, So if you're really paying attention, it's a different model. So my only criteria for people that were helping us was I wanted them to have fun. I didn't want to over art direct anything. Right. Like, look, you're doing this for free. You love Star Wars. Here's what I sort of want. Have fun. Right. And that's a huge motivator, especially in my business, where uh, my business has changed so much over the years where it used to be you would find, oh, who can make this monster? Stan Winston can do that. Go. Now it's like you're under this committee, you know, especially when it comes to big corporate, you know, entities that own production companies. Mm -hmm. For sure. Everything you do now, they want to be the next iconic character, the next iconic look. So it's designed by committee, and it's just not fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. not fun at all. Um, you can't really explore as an artist doing different things. Like, look at the cantina scene in A New Hope. Those costumes and masks are all just like thrown together. Yeah, and they had to have been fun to make because mm-hmm. he's like, fill this room with crazy stuff, alien stuff. Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we can't do anything now without it being like a, a you know 50 design process yeah and it, it gets taxing yeah so with that being said with with my project it was like look guys have fun and let's make something cool and that's a huge motivator you know if you want to have fun doing it you wake up and you're like let's go do this yeah, yeah. You know? the chains have come off and the yeah. creativity can flow i, I get that yeah, absolutely exactly. That's awesome. Um, So when you make this film, did you have any sort of marketing plan for it at all? Like, because a lot of a lot of fan films, they make it and they're like, great, I've made it. Now what do I do? I'll put it on YouTube. That sounds great. Yeah. You know, the number one thing that we've talked about is do not expect to make money off of this. Sure. There have been people who've been disillusioned thinking that they should get money off of YouTube for the number of views it's gotten. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, you're doing a Star Wars project. Yeah. It's not your property. Right. No, it's I'm... actually <laughs> yeah. really cool that Disney and Lucasfilm have not taken you down. Right. Yeah. You know, and just believe me, they can just do do do. Hey, YouTube, take this down, please. And yeah. it's gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fingers crossed, no one's done that to us so far. Um, so I just appreciate people seeing it. And that's basically what it's for. It's a portfolio piece. Right. It's to show that, you know, as a filmmaker, as a director, this is my latest thing hey i can make a story Mm -hmm. and that was the most important thing was not again not uh, effects not costumes not scenery story right and i think you know the one thing we got the uh, so many great comments was uh, about was how much heart the story had Mm -hmm. and some of the things that i wanted to hit we totally nailed and i'm so proud of that i wanted people to like the android character i wanted people to feel for the kid Mm -hmm. i there's things that aren't even in the script that I wanted to imply that people have totally picked up on Mm -hmm. was I didn't want Big Boss, I didn't want uh, OTK the android or the kid to ever call her mom. Right. We don't know who she is. Mm -hmm. Um, This kid is more than likely, because it's a popular Tatooine thing, he's probably a slave. Right. Mm -hmm. 
but that's not expressed. But people have picked that up and they've said that. I'm like, that's great. You know, we, we, we're doing something. People can, mm-hmm. the small nuances, mm-hmm. they can pick up that this kid is a scavenger. He's a slave on this planet. He's got a miserable life. The only thing he loves and cares about is this really old android who's not doing so well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Malfunctioning. And, yeah. And when that character goes and people have this response to it, and we've gotten that a lot. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Because mm-hmm. that's the response I got when I saw, you know, the Rancor get killed. Mm-hmm. You know, some guy's giant pet that he loved is just killed in front of him. And that's just, you know, it's emotion. Mm-hmm. You go to the movies to feel an emotional response. Yes. And you feel so much emotion watching Star Wars. You're like, yes, you know, at the end of New Hope. And it, all these, that's what, that's the point of a film mm-hmm. is, you know, it's not to just show all the cool things we've made because that's, I think, to the detriment of film nowadays it's all showcasing this crazy visual world where i'm like that's too much information for me to process right there's too many things to look at what am i supposed to be looking at right who's my character Mm -hmm. you know who am i supposed to love Mm -hmm. um and that's what i think is lacking in a lot of the later ones Mm -hmm. you know i don't identify with any of them i don't love any of them right Yeah, I mean, we're two movies in and, you know, uh, Bev and I had this conversation recently. Like, what do we know? What more do we know? Like, what more do we care about? What more are we? I mean, we still have the angsty, frustrated Kylo Ren. We still have Ray trying to figure things out. We still have Poe being the hotshot pilot. We still have Finn wondering where he's going to be. And now we're going to a third film and we have to wrap that all up. You know, it's it's tough keeping it on you. You did a fantastic job of making us feel for the relationship between your son and the droid. When the droid does go, it's a heartfelt moment, uh-huh. you know, because it is. When kids are young, they have attachment to to things that they spend time with. It could yes. be a toy. It could mm-hmm. be an animal. It can be people in the family. It can be whatever well, it is. that's the catalyst for a toy story. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, it? yeah. Kid and his bonding with toys. Absolutely. It's it's a great story. And it's very familiar to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can relate to. It's, it's very cross-generational. It's very multicultural. It's across the board. So, you know, kudos again. Hats off. Great awesome. job. Thank great you. job. Yeah. Um, uh, so year and a half total from nuts to bolts. Uh, what was the post-production process like? Uh, slow. <laughs> <laughs> slow. Slow as well. We were waiting on stuff for quite a while. And it's, again, it's it was all good. You know, um, it's just a waiting game when you're doing yeah. things for free. Yeah. Uh, money does talk, and if you were paying people, you could you could then like you know, ban, you know you know slam your fist, get this done. Right. But when people are doing it for free, you're like, hey, when are you gonna be done, buddy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like give me a shot. I'd love to yeah. take a look at yeah. the cut. Yeah. Exactly. And again, everyone was working at the same time and spending all their extra time doing stuff. So it was just a it was a patience game. Right. Um, but cosmically speaking, I think the timing was great actually, because we wanted to try to get it done uh, before Solo had come out. Okay. Um, and then there's a talk of like, you know, the Star Wars saturation, oversaturation. Everyone's kind of getting fatigued, you know, from Star Wars. And didn't know that would be a good thing to release this short so close to one of the studio movies, especially if people don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be interested in going online to find the new Star Wars thing. I think since they've been given some time, um, like me personally as well, after a while, you start, you know, it's like a breakup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to date immediately. You might want to rebound or something, but you don't want to date immediately. Give it right. some time and then you'll get back into it. And like, I really want to do this. So I think our timing was really good. Um, we released it two months ago when nothing was out, mm-hmm. you know, from Star Wars or Disney or Lucasfilm. And like going back to the, I guess like a part two to the question I was asking is like, did you guys have 
yes, it's a portfolio piece, but you guys have a game plan of like, here's how we're going to get as many eyeballs on this as possible. Yeah, sorry, I didn't, I didn't finish that one. Um, like getting right. it up on Nerdist or getting yeah. it up at Collider yeah, or did you IGN. Reach out to or... Any of we those did. Geek we casters. did. Uh, Geek Tyrant had done an article on it. Okay. Uh, Joeblow.com had done an article on it. Cool. Um, we've gotten to some other people that we're not quite sure have seen it yet. Um, they're they're busy. It's one of those things. Yeah. But we did get some really cool write ups. Good. You know, um, and they were fantastic. They're all great reviews. And um, was that your game plan of like if that was our hope? There was your hope. That okay. was our hope. You know, you, you can you know hope in one hand. Uh, I know <laughs> the right. saying. You know the saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so good, guys. Look it, it up and, and see what you get first. But yeah, see which one fills faster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I told everybody when we started this, it's like, look, bottom line, don't expect anything except for having fun and making something cool. Yeah. If nobody sees it, we'll know it's a good project. That's fine. Yeah. Um, as of now, we're just under a million views on mm -hmm. YouTube, which blows me away. I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people have seen this, and that's great. It's only been out for two months, so yeah, who knows it's hard in a year. to get views on YouTube because YouTube itself is so saturated. Yeah, mm -hmm. so saturated. it is. But you know, what we're trying to do is be that that shining light. Mm -hmm. You know, quality will will come through, and word of mouth I think is a huge deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think word of mouth gets enough credit anymore, mm -hmm. especially with social media. Mm -hmm. You know, that is word of mouth. If yes. something bad comes out, everybody knows it instantly. Yeah. If something good comes out, you everybody know, knows it. Every, everybody knows it. So, like I said, most people that have seen this, I'm very proud to say, have have really enjoyed it and liked it as Star Wars fans. So that goal achieved. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's a great portfolio piece. Like I said, try to get other things going on. We've talked about doing other short films. Again, it's in one the of those. Star Wars world. Well, I I originally didn't want to. Right. I, I didn't want to. I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy that keeps making Star Wars shorts. You know, um, especially when it, it it costs money. Right. You know? mm -hmm. It's really hard, you know, but with a lot of the, you know, the, the, the love we've gotten, everyone keeps kind of getting excited. Like, dude, we should do another one. We should do another one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I thought to myself, okay, yeah, I'll consider it if I come up with a really good idea like I did this time. Right. And I think I did. So okay. we have another one in development. Cool. Again, trying to drum up some money for it, right. <laughs> which is everyone's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, sad story. Um, but it, 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 it's, again, it's off center. It's not quite what everyone expects, mm -hmm. but yeah. I th one of the great things that, uh, and I keep saying this, several comments seem to be very similar. Mm -hmm. And one of them was, I will never see return of the Jedi in the same way because they loved this character and they have more of an understanding of who they think this guy is I'm like, wow, I affected somebody watching the actual movie mm -hmm. which you know was another big goal and achieved that's awesome you can never watch this guy and not think of where he came from in the short and like man i do feel bad like oh luke skywalker's kind of a dick you know <laughs> <laughs> For, like but it's not his fault you know it's yeah. one of those things it's like i wanted people to think about it you know in, in a 30 second you know moment of this big movie and then you move past it mm -hmm. um to stop and think about what you saw right um, so in this next short film, uh, hopefully we get it off the ground. It's the same type of thing. It's to, to make you see a character in a different way. 
Nice. Are you looking at kind of like the same parameters, like a 20 minute runtime? You looking maybe at shorter? Yeah, maybe? It, it, it's it's hard to do because attention spans are so short. They really are. They are so short. I um, have a I have a 17 year old sister, and she is on YouTube, and she's watching. If it's longer than five minutes, yeah. chances are she's not going to finish watching yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a testament to our short because it's 20 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and almost a million people have sat through it, which yeah. is great. Uh, again, comments are like, how can you get such a complete story in 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, which was an achievement of ours, you know? I think a short film shouldn't be a clip of a fight scene. That's that's what drives me nuts about a lot of the, like the lightsaber stuff is just fight scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we encompass the whole story in 20 minutes. Um, I think our goal was to try to get 10 or 15 minutes, but as we were shooting and stuff like, man, actually we can, we can make something 20 minutes. So I don't have a time specific um, you know, goal. It's just kind of however I can tell the story. Right. Um, but again, with, with attention spans, if it's 15, 20 minutes, you're looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah, it was, it was a great short, guys. Please check it out. Please check it out. It's on YouTube. Birth of a Monster. What, um, what do you think of the new Star Wars title, Rise of Skywalker, Tim? Uh, it's, it's, the movies have become, and the best term for this is polarizing. Okay. My executive producer on Birth of a Monster has become a good friend of mine, and we could not see things more differently. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's a good yeah. relationship. You guys one keep of each us other in check. is a huge fan of the new films, and one of us, not so much. I won't say what. <laughs> you won't say what? <laughs> I won't say what. So it's like, it's weird that polar opposite people can actually still get together and, and make find something great, and make yeah. something great. Well, I think that's great. Yeah. That's what's great about the fandom that unfortunately yeah. we are seeing a lot of, uh, we have a show talking about toxic fandom, but it's great that you can have differing views yeah. on things and you can it, still get it, together. You know, it, it's, it's funny about being a Star Wars fan to me is sort of like being a, a patriot of whatever country you live in. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you're a true patriot, of the country you live in, you have to actually look back and go, what is my government doing to my country? Mm-hmm. And in that, you have to question your go- your government. And if they're not doing a good job, I'm not saying current status, you choose to replace them or fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Same with Star Wars. If something is not working within the government of Star Wars and the fans have spoken out, mm-hmm. there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's got to get fixed in my opinion. So with the new movie rise of Skywalker, I got the chills when I saw the trailer. I'm like, Oh man, this looks good. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get my hopes up. (laughs) I don't want to get my hopes up because they've been squashed before, you know, been really disappointed on some things and that's okay. You don't have to love absolutely everything that says star Wars because you're a star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference between franchise and brand. Mm -hmm. It was a franchise. It was like, man, this is toys, you know? I don't see a lot of toys anymore. When, you know, I have a kid. I would love to buy all these things for my kid, and I don't see the the amount of toys that when I was a kid, you could just walk into Toys R Us like, wow, Star Wars is everywhere. Yeah, there was like a wall. I mean, there was I'm a like, wall of so figures. There's so much stuff that I think kids are missing out on nowadays, and I'm not sure what their marketing problem is, but they're not doing it right. Um, but with that being said, there's clearly, in the House of Mouse, an issue where they've had to bring back George Lucas. You know, they brought back J.J. Abrams. They're, they've titled it Rise of Skywalker. 
And I think they're trying to retcon a lot of the issues that the majority of people had with mm-hmm. the last couple of films. Mm. So looking at it, like, you know, A New Hope Empire Jedi had a very specific three-part act. Mm-hmm. The new trilogy to me, like you were saying, it, it's like part one, part two? What's what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do in the third one that wraps it all up, makes everything, you know, back to good? Is this going to make someone look at the last film and go, okay, now I get it. I actually like that more because it's it's ended up the way it has. That is what I think they're trying to do, and I really hope that it works out that way, mm-hmm. you know, because this is the last movie they're doing of Luke Skywalker, which is the main character, Anakin and Luke, the main character of all those yeah. films. Yeah. You know, it's great that they're spinning off, and you know, I loved Rogue One. I, Rogue One was a oh, great, agreed. great, great, great film. You're in good company, Tim. Yeah, we all like it. It's a great film. Some of the recent movies have made me forget how good that movie was. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh wait a minute, Rogue One was really good. Mm-hmm. You know, have we forgotten that? We need to go back and and watch what a good movie is. Yeah. Did you um, like Solo? Uh, here's the thing. I did. I had a good time and, with it. And I think it was, be, you know, the the problem is that it apparently didn't do well. No, it apparently didn't Apparently well. they're saying it was a flop. It mm. was a flop. You know. I have issues with some of the casting, whatever. It's like you can't replace Harrison Ford. Very tough. Maybe you shouldn't have made a solo prequel. That's honestly my opinion about yeah. it. Like, it's not that it's a bad movie, it's that it's a pointless movie to it, me. It, I, I see that, yeah. And it, it's very hard to, especially in this universe, mm-hmm. the Star Wars universe, the, the more honest you are, the more people you're going to piss off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, it's <laughs> right. the way it is. Yeah. Like, me and my producer go at it and I have to say, okay, we can't talk about The Last Jedi anymore. <laughs> Shut it down. Let's remain friends, talk about something else. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and with Solo, for me, I saw things that I loved. I mean, Chewbacca has not looked as good mm-hmm. as he has in the original trilogy because mm-hmm. the prequels, he was a little off, you know, and they just he didn't look quite right. Mm-hmm. He looked fantastic in this. The, cine- the cinematography was amazing. Again, what was the point? Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know if fans were asking for a solo prequel. They weren't. You know? That was the problem. Is yeah. Nobody asked, oh, man, you know what I want to see? A Han Solo movie without Harrison Ford. That would be cool. Yeah. That's difficult. That's a difficult choice to make. And and it's like, my first thought is, why the hell would you even try to tackle that? You're just going to alienate a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like they did me. Mm -hmm. I didn't go see it for several weeks. Which nowadays, unfortunately, is the movie killer. If you don't see it in the first couple weekends, they consider it a flop. Now, you know Solo made a buttload of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't... It wasn't a lot of money. It was probably the lowest. It, the prequels made more money than the right. solo movie. Like so it, adding it, in, uh, inflation and all that right. stuff. They were like, yeah, this is the lowest. Yeah, it just it didn't crush it like yeah. Star Wars typically does. I yeah. mean, typically you release a Star Wars film, you're looking at a domestic release between 500 to 900 million, globally probably 1.2 to 1.5. You know, it just didn't hit those numbers. Yeah. It just it just and came think in about under that. Those numbers are ridiculous they are They're a huge. movie nowadays if they, if they if they think it doesn't make a billion dollars yeah it's a flop isn't successful yeah you know um but again this is it's no longer a franchise it's become a brand yeah yeah um and they just slap star wars on anything and you're supposed to go see it and i think as a patriot you should say no yeah. i'm not interested i don't want to see that make something good or i'm not going to go see it right yeah. so maybe 
that has trickled into the ear um, of now, Kathleen Kennedy. And yeah. They're trying to finish, you know, yeah. finish on a good note. What I, what I think the uh, the business plan was trying. I think the business plan that they were trying to roll out was they were trying to do a very similar Marvel idea of we're gonna have the saga films coming out at the Christmas time, but mm-hmm. we're gonna have a spinoff film coming out during the summertime mm-hmm. so that there will be a constant rotating door of Star Wars. And they yeah. thought, well, how can we get this, no pun intended, solo film going off strong? We did Rogue One, Rogue One did great. I think it made, it almost cracked a billion. Well, Rogue One mm-hmm. actually came out around Christmas time. Well, yeah, but yeah. what they were trying to spin it into was they were gonna keep the saga, the numbered films, yeah. going at holiday time. Right. So but you'd get like a early summer, late summer release of like a spinoff film. You yeah. know, you'd get a Obi Wan film, you'd get a Bubba Fett film, yeah. you would get these things. And this was kind of like the first dip into that. Well, what character can we do this with? What can we do? Because, I mean, I enjoyed solo. I had a good time with it. Do we need it? That's up for debate. What I would have liked to have seen if the film would have been a quote unquote financial success or however it's looked at. I wouldn't have mind seeing maybe Solo turn into a three-arc trilogy of maybe the second film is about Lando and the third film is about Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And then we bring them all together as these kind of like smuggler, scoundrel kind of rogues gallery of now we have this small mini trilogy within, you know, was the Was that the original years. plan though? Was to make that a, a three I thought they were all going to be like, I thought they were just going to be spinoff like sure. I, th- I think because of it not being so successful, they've kind of killed that idea. I know they yeah. had a Boba Fett movie that they squashed. They had a so they had a uh, Kenobi. Ben Kenobi movie yeah. that they squashed. They killed it. The and here's the thing: Did anyone say not make those? We're just asking to make them good. <laughs> right. You know, I think can I they think, just be good? I, I don't really believe in saturation. I don't believe in the oversaturation of Star Wars. Mm. It's like. How many times do you still watch the original trilogy? I play them all the time. Yeah, yeah. They don't yeah. get old. Yeah. You make something really good, and people will always watch it. Right. You know what's They'll always go me? back to it. You know what's stunning to me, guys? I have roommates that are in the entertainment industry that have never seen Star Wars. I don't want to meet those people. <laughs> <laughs> They've never seen. I had a conversation. I just don't understand how you don't trip on anything Star right. Wars yeah. in this country. Right. Like it was it. on. Remember when TNT had the the license for a while, and it was yeah. like the tr- original trilogy was running on TNT it, for a long really time. It's really become and... such a huge part of americana yeah you know, well you also it, can't be in the film industry and not at least look at star wars because star wars that changed changed away. The, here's right. the thing i have a lot of people who work in the makeup effects industry who have not seen a lot of pivotal movies when it comes mm-hmm. to that profession mm-hmm. like the, john carpenter's the thing was one of the movies that really launched practical makeup effects and so when i meet new people who are really young who want to get into my business, which is really, it's a small part of a really small business. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood is very small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're talking about the, the tiny groups within that are even smaller. So, and I can go on this forever, but when, when someone new comes up and they're like, oh, I love monsters, but I'm like, really, what have you seen? I'm like, have you seen The Thing? No. Have you seen Alien? No. Have you seen Predator? No, not really. I'm not into that. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? You know, it's right. like, you're this you know my i'm not rich you know it's like this this is a passion in my life is to to do the things i do mm-hmm. um it's not it, it's not a booming business anymore like it was in the 80s right. mm. um so there's not a lot of money involved what's the motivation it's because that's what you love to do yeah. i am a starving artist and there's so many out there um so if you don't love this to death you shouldn't do it right mm-hmm. you know i don't know much about basketball you don't see me trying out for the nba because i think it'd be cool <laughs> yeah you know i have no business being there hanging, hanging out the lakers yeah. tryout yeah. camp yeah. so honestly, about shot, it. if you're in the film industry making movies but you haven't seen star <sighs> wars it's like have you seen a movie yeah, yeah. have right, you seen any right. movie 
Right. No, it's it's a it's a rotating conversation that has come up a few times amongst you know uh, a group of friends of if you want to immerse yourself in an industry, I, I think you do need to expose yourself to obviously like you just mentioned. You mentioned some some great films, Predator, Thing, Alien, great, amazing practical effects that changed the game for a lot of people, and just you know the way that these these monsters on screen looked and and how it was emulated post those appearances of them. Mm-hmm. And if you've never even seen them, it's tough to be even taken seriously. Yeah. You know, when when somebody were to approach you because then you're almost giving them homework, like, well, look, then watch these movies oh, and no, come I, back I to exactly me. I exactly do that. I've done that several yeah. times because I, yeah. I, I, I teach for the um, Stan Winston School online. Cool. And I meet new people all the time and I do give them homework. I'm like, if you really want to be in this business, you have to see these movies. You're right. You know, because that's Smart. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But like, like you said, like I was saying earlier, Star Wars is a game changer in film. Yeah. It's a game changer. Now, if you said, well, I've never seen Citizen Kane. Okay, it's from the 30s. They didn't make episode nine of Citizen Kane. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're making episode nine of Star Wars. And if you haven't seen that, get out from underneath the rock. Yep. (laughs) You know, it's super easy to watch movies nowadays. Quit being trendy. I don't like being trendy, so I'm going to rebel and not see it. I'm not Look how super it. artsy I am yeah. in that statement. I'm not going to conform. I'm not going to yeah. conform. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it. Get on board. Buy a shirt, guys. Come on. <laughs> Buy, Buy an a action shirt. figure. Check it out. It's fun. Excellent. Uh, so, Tim, before we go, is there anything else that's up and coming that you'd love to plug? Um, you got something in development you said? Yeah, again, it's one, it's one of those things as a filmmaker, you, the first thing is to, to try to get money for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully if, if Birth of a Monster grows legs, mm-hmm. um, we can get more people interested in possibly doing like an Indiegogo or some kind of crowdsourcing. Now, th- that's a tricky thing when you're dealing with a Star Wars um, property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think you guys have a great foundation, you know, just with the views you have on YouTube, you, you've got a fan base that you can at least reach back out to respectively and say, hey guys, we did something that yeah. was a lot of fun. If you'd like to see more of these kinds of stories, this is what we've got going on. I yeah, think you guys exactly. got a great, you guys got great momentum and traction yeah. moving. So please go to, you know, go to YouTube, follow uh, Escape Velocity content. Um, you know, he, uh, Alec, who, he's the one that owns the, uh, the production company, is starting to really kind of build his you know, um, arsenal of okay. projects. How can they follow you, Tim? Like, what, where, what are your handles and everything? You know, the funny thing is I, I, I am on Facebook, but I never go on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram, and it's mainly pictures of my kid, you know. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my name is um, MonsterMan03. MonsterMan03. Um, follow me there. I, I don't do a lot of... Uh, maybe this is my age, whatever. I'm more into making stuff and not having people look at me mm. right mm. you know there's uh, an artistic difference i think yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's right now it's just like i just want to see where this goes you know if people like it awesome maybe i'll do another one yeah well awesome. it's it's a it's a beautiful short kudos you. to you and your team it's fantastic and the story about your son is awesome awesome yeah no that's that's adorable i'm gonna be thinking about that later that's great <laughs> yeah. like when i have offspring what am i gonna make them do <laughs> <laughs> right mom stop it don't make me seriously th- tim thank you so yeah, much thank you for joining really us here. time thank you for coming down fantastic thank yeah. you thank you so much thanks everyone for joining us for the rebel and the rogue a star wars podcast and if you're a fan of this podcast you may want to check out electric surge's other podcasts like the 430 movie every friday in which a group of writers and producers curate fantasy theme weeks of classic movies and disco nights the ultimate star trek discovery podcast available sundays and glorious 
Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and Best Movies Never Made, Monday nights featuring filmmakers talking about their favorite unmade projects. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us at TK on Twitter or TK on Instagram. Also, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producers Natalie Michelli and Synthony Hodge, and executive producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next Thursday, may the Force be with you. And also with you. Always. Or at least for the next week. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.